Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And this week we're talking about the HBO Max series Love Life, the NBC series Blind Spot, and the Netflix series You. So we've got three different TV shows on three different platforms. So Yes, these sort of run the gamut, I think, of tone, perhaps. Yeah. I think so. They're very, I think they're all very different from each other. So mm-hmm. that's pretty fun. So you're really into HBO Max. <laughs> I haven't explored it as much as you have. I don't even know what love life is. Okay. So please, what is it? Tell us about it. Okay. So you haven't even heard of this. Is that right? No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I stumbled across this. I was looking for something that I could watch the whole thing really quickly. And that I also wouldn't feel like I had this huge commitment to. And I stumbled upon it. Yeah, it's called Love Life. And it premiered last May. Okay. So this is like a little bit, I'm coming to the table a little bit late. But it is a kind of a comedy drama. The episodes are only a half an hour. And it's a quasi-anthology show. Hmm. So each season is one cast of characters. But they're sort of loosely connected between the seasons. And there's only been the second season dropped just in October of this year. So it's it okay. just got put out there. So I actually have not seen season two yet. I watched season one in like, I want to say two and a half days or even less. <laughs> so I was obviously very compelled once I started. So yeah, the premise is that each season follows a person from their first romance till their last. Oh, yeah. And so it's not always laugh out loud. Sometimes it's just kind of gentle. Sometimes it's sad. It just kind of depends what's happening in the person's life. But season one follows this woman, Darby Carter, played by Anna Kendrick. And she lives in New York City. And she's in kind of the art world. In early episodes, she's working for like a company that does guided tours of museums then she later works for a museum, then she's working at galleries and stuff. And so that's kind of her career. And she's got a couple of roommates. And she just has a lot of not always great relationships. Um, Some of them last a long time, some of them don't last very long. And as the series, as the season goes on, it's not always focusing on romantic love. So one of the episodes, they're all named after the person that's the relationship of hers that they're focusing on. Okay. But one of the episodes is named after her roommate and friend who has kind of like complicated troubles and stuff, who in early episodes of the season is portrayed as being kind of a good time party girl. And then toward the end of the season, she, it's clear things are not going well with her. And there's another episode that's named after Darby's mom. So she's got a very complicated relationship with her mom. So yeah, and some of her relationships, it seems like, oh, well, couldn't you have made this work? But then others, it's like, oh, why are you with this person? And this is really a bad idea. Like early on, she starts dating this guy who is He's really cool. And he works for like Politico or something and seems like they're very much on the same page and they break up due to him getting a promotion in another city and they don't Mm -hmm. want to do a long distance. And it seems like, ugh, but he's really good for you. And another relationship, though, they get married even and it's he's awful. Oh, no. And it's like, oh, 
So the journey is kind of seeing how the level to which she prioritizes relationships or seeking them out and other things that she ends up filling her life with that kind of bring her greater fulfillment. And over the course of the season, you kind of see that, you know, it's not really about these love relationships as much as it is healing her relationships with her family, with her friends, with her mom. You know, she has other life events that are kind of a big deal. She changes careers and she starts getting a little bit more dedicated to her career. But at the same time, each relationship does make her have realizations about herself. So she is growing. And she also, to her credit, isn't always putting this huge primacy on finding her next relationship. Like she's Mm -hmm. trying to just be in the moment and kind of put it in the position that I think is healthy. Like she actually is already a pretty healthy person in the beginning. And she just kind of becomes more so as it goes on, while also being kind of quirky and and goofy the way that a rom-com heroine sometimes is. <laughs> but, you know, there are things that seem a little bit troubling of, of moments where she is overly forgiving of someone being kind of terrible to her or friends that there seem to be red flags and, and she's not picking up on that. But she does start to pick up on those things more and more quickly as time goes on. So... Hmm. Yeah, it's just neat to like, and they do flashback episodes that cover a relationship she had as a teenager. And then it's interesting to see how it plays out with what ends up being her last relationship. And I think there were moments that made me kind of tear up a little bit, but it's not to to maybe spoil this much. The way I phrase it as their last relationship, that sounds so scary. It's not (laughs) some, you know, far flung in the future with people you know, elderly and dying. It's it, you know, she meets the one while she's still young. And it's it's a happy thing. So it's not (laughs) some kind of like creepy, she's now dead thing. No, it's it's all good. But if you want something that's very, very well acted, beautifully shot, very well written, smart, funny, sweet, a little bit acerbic, but not too, too much, then I think this is this is really good. And I like that it's not Oh, the way that a lot of rom-coms focus on marriage and children and things that seem very like making women seem desperate, it doesn't do any of that, okay. which I really appreciate. Yeah. And so Anna Kendrick is delightful and cute. And so if you like her and other things, she's very Anna, Anna Kendrick-y in this. Okay. <laughs> her friend who has an interesting story arc, Sarah Yang, is played by Zoe Chow. And she's a very interesting character. Let's see. She has, what are some other characters? Oh, her mother, Claudia, is played by Hope Davis, who is just amazing. That did make me feel old in the casting because Hope Davis, (laughs) when I was in my 20s, was very much the indie film darling and was seen as the ingenue and played, played characters that are similar to what Anna is playing here. So to see her playing her mom, the mom of a grown 30-something woman, that was kind of <laughs> uh, not always comforting. Yeah. <laughs> but I realize time time marches on. Yep. But yeah, I mean, really, really good, solid cast. And if you like things that are set in New York, it's very, it's very architecturally satisfying and lots of pretty buildings and fancy parties and dimly lit restaurants <laughs> sorts of stuff. <laughs> very, very small, realistic apartments, though. I did appreciate that. that they, they portray the... Okay. 
New York life as everyone needs to have six roommates and these tiny, tiny apartments. So that yeah. part was not like friends or anything. It was okay. <laughs> much more realistic. And so I haven't watched season two yet, but it stars William Jackson Harper cool. as the central character. So I think that's going to be really interesting because then you get a guy going through similar things. And William Jackson Harper, of course, is best known for uh, playing Cheaty on The Good Place, mm-hmm. which I always liked him on there. So yeah, and he's cute. And I just haven't started it yet. I'm planning on it. I think I want to carve out a similar thing where I carve out parts of a weekend when I'm more free and just kind of binge it all at once. So cool. Yeah. yeah. No, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's super cute. So it's not genre, nothing like nobody's a vampire. So it's very <laughs> off brand for me, but I still <laughs> <laughs> not totally. Yeah. Yeah. I do like some some stuff like this. I will say that over the years, I became a lot less enamored of the average rom-com movie. Mm hmm. I think it was something that I watched a lot of when I was a teenager and in my early 20s. But then I started wanting them to be better than they are. And they're <laughs> yes. formulaic. And this is not very formulaic at all. So Yeah, I agree. And it's not even the formulaic part. But yeah, I, I watched a lot when I was a teen and in mm-hmm. my early 20s. And now I'm just like, these are these could be better. Yeah, yeah. They could have better messages and stuff. Yeah, I think they're trying to elevate the elevate the genre a little bit and each episode in season one is is narrated by this british woman and i don't have the actress's name here but leslie manville yes thank you you're welcome (laughs) and she just she speaks as if it's sort of anthropological and (laughs) just kind of treats darby like this thing she's studying like she's this omniscient sociologist or something and she's like let's examine what darby is doing wrong today (laughs) So I like that. It's funny. Yeah, that sounds funny. I see that Keith David is narrating season two. And oh, my goodness, he's got a great voice. So I'm really I'm actually really excited to see that. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah. So cute. I think you should definitely check it out because I think you would like it. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I watch a lot of the things that you tell me about. So I'm still watching the other two. But maybe after that. Yeah, I'll get to this. Yes. I think I, I think I did that too. I watched all of the other two and then I went straight to Love Life. So perfect. <laughs> nice. Good job. I'm just following in your footsteps. Aw. Well, you're watching something totally different, which I watched a little bit of this one when it first started, but I kind of lost track of it. So I'd like to hear more about Blind Spot. Yeah, that's totally fine. So this was on NBC. It ran from 2015 to 2020, which... I didn't even realize, I think, like it ended July 23rd, 2020. So oh. I feel like, yeah, it got lost in that pandemic, in the early days of the pandemic. Yeah. It's a cop drama, sort of, but with a twist, because besides the main character, everyone else is in the FBI, okay. basically. Okay. <laughs> and then the main character is very interesting, in a very interesting situation. She's played by Jamie Alexander, and her name is Jane Doe, because in the very first scene of the first episode, the police get called to Times Square because there is a bag, there's a mysterious bag just left there, and they think it's a bomb, so they call in the bomb squad, and then when they open it up, Jane is in there, and she doesn't remember anything, like she she can speak and and walk and and do all of 
human things, but she doesn't know like who she is or anything like that. Uh-huh. And her body is covered in these tattoos, and she doesn't know where those came from either. Uh-huh. So right on her back, like between her shoulder blades, there's a tattoo that says FBI Kurt Weller, uh-huh. which is a character, and they call him in. He works for the FBI, and they're like, dude, why is your name on tattooed on her back? And he's just <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know her. <laughs> so he and his team start to look into this case, and his team consists of, at least at the beginning, Audrey Esparza as Tasha Zapata, Rob Brown as Edgar Reed, Ashley Johnson as Patterson, and then their boss is Marianne Jean-Baptiste as Bethany Mayfair, and she's really cool. I like her. (laughs) So they start to look into this case, and Patterson is the science person. She's real nerdy. She figures out that there are, like, codes within the tattoos, and the codes lead them to different cases I'm only halfway through season one. It's something I sort of watch in the background and it's it's a good show that I don't have to like super pay attention to. But a lot of the cases at first are leading to different instances of corruption. So there's this added layer of like, who did this? How did they know this stuff was going on? And like, well, I mean, why did they do this? (laughs) So it's really kind of a bizarre high concept thing. And I don't know, it's just a little bit fun. It is a little bit, you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit, because sometimes they they decode a tattoo and it's like, something's going to happen today at 1pm. And you're like, I'm glad you decoded that today and not tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, it's not the most realistic thing. Uh-huh. But I do think it's kind of fun and interesting. And Jane is going through this crisis of like, who is she? Uh And why did this happen to her? And she, every once in a while, gets some flashbacks, like just very brief glimpses of her life before. And she, Uh she can't really put them together because they're very strange and disparate. But every once in a while, new, new abilities kind of emerge, not emerge, but she figures out she knows how to do some things that she didn't know she didn't know she could uh-huh. so at one point they're like assuming that she's a navy seal cuz she can like she's very good at close combat fighting uh-huh. and she's just like i don't even know i didn't even know where that came from it was just like muscle memory uh-huh. and things like that and i don't think this is too much of a spoiler cuz again i'm only halfway through the first season and there are five seasons so it has to be going somewhere. But at one point, Jane ends up in a situation where she's like captured by someone. And then this mysterious guy comes up to her, doesn't say anything. And he has a video on his phone of her in the past. And you can tell it's the past because she has long hair. Mm-hmm. And in, in the present, she has short hair. <laughs> <laughs> and the video is just her telling herself that she was the one who did this to herself. And she just has to stay the course. And it'll all become clear later on. And you're just like, what? What's happening? So oh. it's little mysteries of the week and like fighting the bad guys. But then the overarching mystery of like, who is she and where did she come from? And 
why did she do this to herself, apparently, and things like that. Mm. And then Kurt has an interesting kind of tie to her because when he was a kid, he used to play with a neighbor girl named Taylor Shaw, and she disappeared when she was like six or something. And then his dad, I don't think he ever got convicted for it, but there was just all this neighborhood's assumption and suspicion that he was the one to do to kidnap her and I guess murder her Uh is the assumption Uh so they have he and his dad have a very strained relationship and he starts to think that Jane is Taylor oh yeah so and that's why she was sent to him via the tattoo on her back Uh so there is this like extra like his boss Mayfair is just trying to like figure it out patterson decode all the tattoos and like we gotta catch these bad guys and then kurt's like i think she's my childhood neighbor who disappeared (laughs) and she's just like can you please settle down a little bit so they do some dna testing or in the early episodes and i will tell you that one dna test says that she's taylor shaw and they do this like tooth analysis of where she grew up and it says she grew up in Africa, which is incompatible with her Taylor Shaw DNA. So even though, like, in one episode you feel like you have the answer and it is Taylor, and the next one they're like, no, it's not. It can't be. It's impossible. And so we still haven't figured that out. And I don't know where that's going. So yeah, it's just like a bunch of mysteries wrapped up in one, and they're kind of fun. And, you know, it's a little bit over the top. It's a little bit dramatic, but it's it's fun to watch. And I like. I like all the characters. Zapata, Patterson, Reed are the FBI team, and I like them all. And I think there are some interesting things going on with them interpersonally Uh and just privately as characters. So, yeah, I think it's just one of those things that, like, I don't don't have to binge it. Uh But if I'm like, I don't know what to watch tonight, I'll just pop it on and, like, I can do some other things while I'm watching it, you know? Cool. Is this streaming on Hulu or where are you watching it? Yes. Thank you. It's streaming on Hulu. Cool. And Jamie Alexander is Lady Sif from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially the Thor movies. And she was on an episode of Loki not long ago. And I didn't realize that she was also on Kyle XY, which is a show I've never seen, but always thought I should watch that. So (laughs) if Jamie Alexander fans are out there, they should watch Kyle XY also. I have never watched Kyle XY either. Yeah, I've heard it's good. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And she's going to be in Thor Love and Thunder, which is coming out next year. Yes, yes. Now, her tattoos aren't real in real life, right? These are just painted on for the show. Yeah, yeah. And I have a dumb question. Does she, Mm -hmm. when they solve a mystery about one of the tattoos, does she get it removed? No. Oh. Because, well, they're still in early days, so maybe down the line they would, but Mm -hmm. there's actually sort of a plot line about that because once they solve a tattoo they assume that it's useless Mm -hmm. but then a couple episodes later they use the same tattoo again and they're like oh my gosh there could be multiple codes in each of the tattoos so oh okay so she probably shouldn't do that interesting right that also reminds me of the movie memento have you ever seen that i have not that's about guy pierce plays a guy the movie is shown backwards and it's done that way to yeah every scene like you continually go backwards in time 
as the movie progresses. So you see the end first. Oh, wow. And the reason that they do that is that the main character has a form of amnesia that resets every day. So he doesn't know what's going on every single day. So he writes himself notes and he tattoos himself to remind him of things. And he's like trying to solve a murder as the story goes on. So it's very stressful. But I wonder if that's kind of one of the originators of that. But that's that would be one way to make sure if you have amnesia is to tattoo yourself (laughs) stuff. Because then that's true. No matter what you have it. So yeah, Yeah. stressful. You got to make sure it's in somewhere you can see though. Can't put it on your back. Well, unless you have a tattoo that says, make sure you look at your back. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's on your knee or something. <laughs> I'm just on the IMDb page and the piece of trivia that's up is that Jamie Alexander had to sit in the makeup chair for seven and a half hours to have all the elaborate tattoos applied to her body for each day's shooting. Each day? Yeah, that doesn't seem practical. <laughs> I wonder if... Well, does she wear clothes a lot that cover some of them up? So you probably wouldn't need to show all of them every single episode. That's true. But yeah, sometimes she's wearing like tank tops. And I'm like, this, you could, you could put on a long sleeve shirt. Yeah. (laughs) I also saw that she had injured herself a lot on that show. So. Oh, I didn't know that. She's given it her all. Nice. It's good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we've both been watching something else entirely, which. Maybe I feel like we've been going darker as this episode has progressed. Yes. And this is probably the darkest. (laughs) I think we both said we would talk about this show before we got too far into the third season. Mm -hmm. And now I think my feelings have changed a lot. But we are talking about you on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've talked about the earlier seasons before, right? I think so. And also in conversation with the original novel. But yeah. Yeah, so it's back for season three, and as a little refresher, this show is about a guy named Joe, played by Penn Badgley, who he gets fixated on women and stalks them, and he might commit some light murder, but he's also just looking out for you. It's all about you. He cares about you, (laughs) and he narrates the show very dramatically. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's because in some ways, each season is sort of its own encapsulated story, not really an Mm -hmm. anthology series, but each season is almost like, except for him and maybe a couple other people, it's its own self-contained story. So you can actually jump in at any season start, I think. I don't know if I would recommend that, though. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, if you know Joe is a troubled young man, he loves (laughs) literature. And he loves yes. ladies, and he loves protecting them by murdering people around them. Sometimes he might kill you also, but, you know, it's just because he loves you. Yeah, it's a trip. <laughs> it's a it's a dark satire, I think, yes. is maybe one way to put it. Yeah. It has a lot in common with Dexter, because he, I think he thinks he's killing people righteously and to protect people he loves. Yeah. I've mentioned in the past that this is a show that makes me feel icky (laughs) (laughs) because it is compelling and you're like, what is going to happen next? Mm -hmm. What is he going to do next? Yes. But at the same time, yeah, it's really, I think there's a really fine line between presenting a protagonist who is like this because you could very easily slip into sympathizing with him. 
I guess. Yeah. But that's bad because he's a bad person. (laughs) He's a bad person who desperately doesn't want to be. Yeah. And he also is very, like his surface world persona is a very like chill, woke, nice guy. And so that's also, I also think a lot of viewers just get pulled in by Penn Badgley being handsome in a way that is offbeat, but is still compelling. Mm -hmm. And that he delivers his narration in a way that is sort of appealing, I guess, is the way to put it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I understand. He started narrating fans' TikToks in his Joe voice, and it's <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it's upsetting and also great. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to look that up. Yeah, I watched a little bit of one, and it was it was funny, but it was also upsetting. Yeah. The other thing that's funny, and I'll, before we get into the specifics of season three, is that he narrates scenes in a voiceover where stuff is actually happening and people are like talking to him and he has to pretend to be a normal person while he's secretly (laughs) thinking about how annoying they are or whatever. Mm -hmm. And somebody took out the narration of some scenes and replaced it with a little like spinning buffering wheel over his forehead (laughs) to show just how long, if in real life he never, he took that long to answer verbally, it makes him seem really weird and not good. Like it's (laughs) creepy. Or at least it like makes him seem very awkward. Like, wow, you're taking like two minutes to figure out how to answer nice weather today, huh? (laughs) What's wrong with you? Yes. Yes. I think that is one of the things that is attractive about the show, that narrative voice. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I think we talked about this when I read the book. Because yeah, without it, you're right. It would be really awkward and weird. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't nearly... I, I see, I don't sympathize with him, but you wouldn't, I guess, identify with him as much if it weren't there. Yes. Yeah, because he very much, like, tries to justify everything he does. And sometimes you're just like, dude, this yeah. is unjustifiable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's still interesting to see where he's coming from. Yeah, it's interesting to hear where he's coming from. I was, I would call him not the protagonist. I would call him the, he is the point of view character. He is the okay. anti-hero he is the unreliable narrator of his own life. Mm-hmm. I did also read a funny thing that when they film, there is a guy, like I think it's even his stand-in or stunt double or something, who reads the narration out loud on set so that Penn has a way to like pace his reactions and to have yeah. his reactions fit with the narration. So I thought that was a good idea. Because otherwise, I can't imagine how they would have to act <laughs> to this narration. <laughs> but that does mean the other actors end up hearing it, unless they do it in like an earpiece. I don't know, but regardless. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so let's go into season three, the specifics of season three. Okay. What is the setup of this season? Where do we meet Joe at the beginning of season three? Okay, so we meet Joe in a suburb of LA, I think, called Madra Linda. And he is married to Love Quinn, who's featured in season two. Mm-hmm. And they have a newborn baby son named Henry Forty <laughs> after Love's deceased brother, deceased twin, actually. So there is definitely some weird tension there with, with Love's <laughs> mom, who always tries to call the baby Forty. And Joe's like, no, it's Henry. But Joe is pretty dissatisfied because at the end of season two, he had done a lot of these things to protect love and try to prove that he was a better man. And then love sort of outed herself as a psychopath, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
yeah, I thought this was a really... I wasn't sure how to feel about this because he he pretends he's so much better than love. And that was really off-putting because I was like, you can't... You're very blind, dude, uh-huh. because you do the exact same thing. Uh-huh. So their marriage has gotten a little tense because of Joe feeling morally better than love, I think. Uh-huh. And they're adjusting to life in the suburbs. They don't have, really have friends. And Joe gets intrigued by their neighbor, Natalie Engler. And she's married to Matthew Engler, played by Scott Speedman, who is like a tech guy who's very kind of closed off and not very demonstrative. So she's sort of unhappy in her marriage. And yeah, they cross paths and bad things start to happen. And I had to, I had to scroll down a little bit, but Natalie's played by Michaela McManus. Uh-huh. And then where do we go from there? Well, Love tries to kind of start a life in this little town and she comes from money. So she is able to rent this little empty bakery. She's a trained chef and baker. And so she's going to make this little bakery and do cupcakes and things. And some of the people in the town sort of are like, we don't eat carbs. And so it's like her, this is the wrong place for this, but whatever. Yeah. And I do want to point out the bakery is called A Fresh Tart. Yes. Which is <laughs> cute and funny. And also Love's mom, Dottie, is played by Saffron Burroughs, who chews so much scenery in this. And you know what's funny is that I know Michaela McManus from one of the Law & Order franchises. Saffron Burroughs was also on one of the seasons of Law & Order Criminal Intent as one of the cops. And she was very, like, reserved and chill. And I think her, her cop partner that season was Jeff Goldblum. But anyway, also one of the most underrated seasons of that show. Regardless, she's way over the top in this and just completely, she's having a lot of like, I think, middle, midlife crises, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, but she's really funny. But anyway, Love and Joe meet some neighbors, including this mom-fluencer, Sherry Conrad, (laughs) played by Shalita Grant. And she's married to a guy named Carrie. So it's Carrie and Sherry. And he's played by Travis Van Winkle. (laughs) And Sherry, especially, is a strange bird. I don't know what to make of her, especially in the beginning. She's, yeah, everything bad about an influencer is all wrapped up in Sherry. Yes. And I had seen Shalita Grant in one of the seasons of Search Party. So she's, she's a very interesting, this character is so irritating to me, though. So I was <laughs> not on board with Sherry and Carrie. Yeah, I think they are meant to be irritating yes especially at the beginning yeah yes especially at the beginning and then there's also this character theo theo engler played by dylan arnold who is matthew's stepson and he seems to fixate on love Mm -hmm. and joe goes through some different fixations on different women throughout the series so but you know life in the suburbs does not stay idyllic or even mostly okay or warily (laughs) calm for very long like almost immediately i don't know how much we can say stuff starts to go bad very quickly yeah yes well one of the first things that love and joe do in the new bakery in the basement is they install a clear glass cage (laughs) so that kind of (laughs) which has popped up in the other seasons as well yes and you're like how are you transporting this to (laughs) to different places I think it's just rebuilt. I think they just know how to build a clear glass cage. And (laughs) it's always, yeah, in season one, 
Joe had this clear glass cage in the bookstore he worked in, which I think that the bookstore owner used to store Mm -hmm. antique books and do book binding and book repair as this like hermetically sealed environment where the pages wouldn't get exposed to air and light and stuff. And so, you know, it made sense in that context. And then season two, I think he just builds one because you got to yeah. have one. And season you gotta three, have one. yeah. And season three, I think the justification of loves is, well, we can make it seem like we need this in the basement of the bakery to keep like flour, keep bugs out of the flour or whatever, like keep it all fresh and whatever. But yeah, really. But they also install it as an impulse control thing. Yeah. So they try not to murder people. They just knock them out and then they drag them in there. Mm-hmm. And then they think about what to do with them. Right, right. Because each season people end up in the in the clear glass cage. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like people get put in the cage <laughs> and people end up getting killed. People end up killing themselves. People go missing. People lose. People lose digits off their body it's gruesome it's it is it's also campy and there is a lot of funny moments Hmm. funny haha but also funny like oh i feel very (laughs) uncomfortable (laughs) yeah one of the storylines that i found the most sort of cringy funny was love and joe go to couples therapy and it's after one of them has committed a murder and they're working through literally that but they have to like couch all their language for the poor therapist dr chandra who is played by eilat zurer who i thought was very pretty and interesting so (laughs) anyway but she's poor thing she's at a such disadvantage because she just assumes they're talking about like infidelity or or the strain of having a new baby like really normal couples therapy (laughs) topics that are not right like one of them says i feel like murdering like if love says i feel like killing him or i think he's gonna kill me like they are being literal and she's like oh whatever you don't know with that you know it's like (laughs) oh no yeah they're they're killing people i actually thought that was one of the strongest points of the season i i really liked that yeah interplay yeah yeah it's really fun but it's upsetting and i also don't like i do want to give a shout out to tati gabrielle who plays marianne bellamy who is joe's boss joe gets a job at a library and she's like one of the librarians there yeah and i like her in other things and i think it's easy to dislike her character based on what purpose she serves but she's a good actress so hmm that's interesting i did i never disliked her character oh okay it was just a little sometimes hard to watch because you know you know joe (laughs) joe and you're like maybe maybe stay away (laughs) (laughs) yeah but Yeah, it's weirdly compelling. There are a lot of twists and turns in this season. There are a lot of moments where you're like, don't do the thing. And then they do the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely not call it my favorite season. No. I think it just didn't go the way I expected it to go, which is which can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of new characters thrown into the mix who were good and interesting, but I missed some of the old ones. But yeah, I think if you liked the first two seasons, this is something to watch. But uh, if you're just jumping in, I don't I don't. I would not start with this season. Okay, that's fair. I think okay. the way I, I think this is my least favorite season, and I did like them in the order that they appeared. But I do feel like 
without spoiling anything, the way that this season ended allows the show to go in a completely different direction next season, which I think it probably needed. I did. I felt like seasons two and three were a little too intricately entwined, and it. I think the show might work better if each season is sort of its own thing. Okay. Yeah. I was very upset at the end of this season, I will say that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think I wasn't sure if I wanted to watch season four, but then the end came and I was like, okay, this could go in a really interesting direction. And there are some plot lines that they set up that I hope they will revisit. So uh-huh. yeah, I think it, I think it'll be sort of a refresh. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be good. I'm I'm looking yeah. forward to it. If nothing else, it will, it will be entertaining. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. I know. It's a heavy, it's a weird show to say that you like, I think. <laughs> but I know a lot of people, even especially younger people than us, who are really into it, but they similarly do feel icky about it. Okay. Like they know it's not, like, especially the more they like it, they know like, oh, this, I, something's wrong with me that I like it this much. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that means it's doing its job to be compelling. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway, next week, we are talking about... Another three TV shows. (laughs) The Great British Baking Show, Succession, and Ghosts. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you want to email us, you can do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. You can also find our website at positivelypopculture.com. Please rate us and review us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy and safe, and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.